It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. So we've been covering the uh, tragic death of Japanese, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. uh, And there were so many things about him that I think we didn't quite understand or quite see. Some people who were paying attention, uh, who were quick to observe, recognized that there were many lessons, important lessons in leadership that we can learn from his life, his service, his legacy. Uh, One of those is Roger Porter. Roger, of course, is the IBM professor of business and government at Harvard University. He previously served as the assistant to the president for economic and domestic policy in the George H.W. Bush administration. And he joins us on the the line today. Roger, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, So give us some of the the sense from uh, the former Prime Minister Abe, uh, obviously a uh, a tragedy in losing his life, uh, but you saw some things in him that I think are so important as we look at lessons in leadership today. Uh, Shinzo Abe, I don't believe, had anyone who met him or spent time with him who didn't end up liking him. <laughs> and and that is uncommon for most of us. He had a wonderful set of skills that um, many people describe as charming and charismatic, but he made people feel when they were with him extraordinarily important. And I think this underscores the nature of the value of relationships that exist between leaders and citizens, between leaders and their political parties, and between leaders and their counterparts abroad. Mm. And if you look at the relationships that have existed between people like Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher, or Bill Clinton and uh, Tony Blair, or George H.W. Bush and Brian Mulroney, the Canadian prime minister, they all had kind of a special relationship. And Shinzo Abe had this with a large number of people. He, he had a very good relationship with George W. Bush, with Barack Obama, and with Donald Trump. And uh, I I think that facilitated his ability to get a lot of things done in the world, not just to benefit Japan, but to to benefit the the global society and global economy. Yeah, I think he's one of those leaders that had uh, way more fingerprints uh, than he had headlines. And you talk about those relationships with President Bush and President Obama and President Trump. Uh, you had noted in, in a piece you've written uh, that actually the international leader that President Trump interacted the most with was was actually Prime Minister Abe. It was. Interestingly enough, Prime Minister Abe was the first foreign leader to call following the election and congratulate Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And uh, neither one of them ever forgot that. They probably spent more time together than President Trump did with any other foreign leader. And it was not just that they both enjoyed golf and and that formed a common bond. Uh, 
But you can tell when somebody enjoys being with someone else. And sometimes uh, President Trump and Prime Minister Abe would spend the whole day together and never seem to be tired of uh, one another's company. And that's pretty uh, fabulous. And remember that the very first thing that Donald Trump did when he came into office was withdraw the United States from from uh, ratifying the Trans-Pacific Partnership right. that had been negotiated for the previous five years and had been the first time that the United States had gotten Japan into a, a free trade type of arrangement. And instead of being bitter about it, Minister Abe moved forward, took the remaining 11 countries, got them to agree to effectively the equivalent of what had been the Trans-Pacific Partnership, mm-hmm. while leaving the door open for the United States at some point in the future if it chose to join. And instead of this looking like they were stiffing the United States, they were uh, he, he, he brought it to a very successful fruition. China wants to get into it. People forget that the impetus behind the Trans-Pacific Partnership was to to establish a set of rules for trade that would exclude China and would contain effectively 40% of global trade because it included the United States and Japan and some other major uh, countries. And uh, Prime Minister Abe was very uh, crucial in uh, resuscitating it and... uh, and having it become something that's benefited the the global economy. Yeah, so important. One of the other things you pointed out that I just love uh, was just this whole principle, which I think is a crucial leadership principle, and that is that ideas matter. Uh, You talked about in 2015 uh, that Prime Minister Abe came to Harvard, and then it was also the uh, first uh, Japanese prime minister to address a joint session of Congress. What did you learn in that? It was a very interesting visit. He, he, he visited both Washington and, as you pointed out, was the first uh, Japanese prime minister to address a joint session of Congress. But he also came to the Kennedy School at Harvard and gave a brilliant address. That's where I spent some time with him. And I'm always interested in seeing what people choose to say in their address and then open it up and answer questions for about a half an hour. And many of these were, were very um, challenging questions, shall we say. And he did not react defensively. He uh, responded very respectfully. He was armed with lots of information and statistics to show what kind of progress was being made and the direction that things were moving. And people left that. I mean, there were over a thousand people there. And people left and were just really impressed. Uh, and uh, he he had the command of of uh, his portfolio and of the audience in in a quite remarkable way. Uh, I love that, and uh, so important. And it was this uh, not backward facing; it was this forward thing that we could all be part of. I think that was part of his uh, his grace and his grit. That he it was. Hey, this is where we need to go. Next, well, we acknowledge the things of the past, and we know he had a, a tremendous influence in this whole idea uh, of, of this quad of Japan, the United States, India, and Australia. Uh, just give us a quick snapshot of that, because, again, I think it was this allies and alliances skill set that the prime minister had that was so powerful. Well, uh, it's very interesting when people can come up with a phrase 
that others are willing to adopt. And he came with up with the phrase Indo-Pacific. And what it consisted of was his idea of that the United States and Japan and Australia needed to include India and effectively surround China. And they, he tried to get it off the ground initially in, in the 2006-2007 period. He ultimately, when he came back as prime minister, established a very good relationship with the Indian prime minister Modi. And the Chinese call it the uh, the Asian NATO because they can see that this is basically a set of countries who are committed to freedom, committed to free markets, and committed to the rule of law. And it's now met. I mean, the, the Biden administration has embraced it, and there have been uh, two meetings of it at, at the at the head of state level uh, since President Biden has been in. So uh, this is something that, and now in in the nomenclature, people refer to it, to it as Indo-Pacific uh, rather than Asian Pacific. Yeah. And that has helped to bring the Indians along. And after all, uh, they're now over a billion yeah. uh, people in India. <laughs> so this is... Uh, uh, and, and he probably had a better relationship with Prime Minister Modi than any other foreign leader. Mm. Really somebody who, who, who is capable of seeing far in advance, anticipating what is coming, mobilizing people to, to uh, meet the challenges that are coming up in a quite remarkable way. He, yeah. he's, he's one of the most impressive leaders I ever had the opportunity of engaging with. Uh, fantastic. Roger Porter, fantastic insight uh, from Harvard University. Uh, Great reflections on the life and leadership legacy of former Prime Minister Abe of Japan, tragically assassinated. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.